and he, he was like, look, little homie, here's the truth. He goes, you don't have to believe the same things I do, but he goes, if you think that like ever pulling the plug on yourself is going to take away your pain, I want to welcome you to the fact of like, you're going to go to a reality where you relive the same things as close to forever as possible. And he goes, I don't know how long forever is, but it's a mighty long time from what I understand. So you can deal with it here and get to the other spot. You can stop listening to all that depressing, anxious shit. That's because that voice sounds just like you. Mm-hmm. And it all made sense. I was like, this is a guy who I look up to. This is my friend. It's battle hardened. He's been through harder things with substance abuse than I ever will. He's reached more success than I probably ever will. He has a bigger platform than I probably ever will. And he's still as human as any fucking person. And he told me that I would be going to the samsara endless circle of bullshit. That was the number one powerful device that made me say, there is nothing worse than going to an eternity where I feel like this. Before we dive into this one, we don't have a, uh, I used to do this, this hard rock okay. set on like, welcome to the failure podcast. I'm your host, Austin. I'm here with Murphy Wells, but I find that is so, uh, I don't know. I just don't like it anymore. It's by the numbers. Yeah. Everyone has like their own intro and don't get me wrong. Like there are a few guys who I listen to and they all have their, Andy is one of them. You're like, mm-hmm. yo, what is up guys? It's Andy for selling. You're listening to the show for the realist. And then there's, <laughs> I listen to a lot of Ben Shapiro. <laughs> I love Ben. <laughs> You're listening to the fastest growing conservative talk show in radio. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to come up with something like that. I just It hasn't hit me yet, you know? And maybe by episode 100, I'll get there. So genuinely what I like to do is introduce a guest. Number one, Murphy, welcome to the Failure Podcast. We're at episode 20, and I told you earlier today, this is a, a pretty special episode for me and Carter. You know, this guy's been grinding with me for a while now, and I, we've only been doing this for... When did we start, bro? Ah, uh, like <laughs> we've just been going with the wind. When was it? April? That's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, but I'm not sure. April or May, but regardless, dude, like we set this goal because like at 10, I was like, wow, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to find people, interesting people that you want to talk to, you want to have conversations with. You don't want it to be fake. You don't want it to be not natural, but you didn't realize how hard it was until then. And I set this goal. I was like, okay, I hear hearing this, keep hearing this statistic that states, you know, 98% of podcasts fail before episode 20 episodes. And they just don't continue on. So my goal is like, dude, if I can make it to 20, I'm the 1% or the 2% or whatever. So we're there, you know? I'm I don't man. know how real that is, but <laughs> that's what I set for myself. So welcome. And I'm excited to talk with you today, man. Uh, we had a, we met on the gram. Mm hmm. Uh, I slid in my DMs. I slid in your DMs, <laughs> and I don't even know how I found you too, which I was, was one ask. of the questions that you 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 had asked me originally, and I don't remember. But uh, what I do remember is I clicked on one of your videos, and it it got me, and I was like, I was like, fuck, dude, I just kept going. I was like, oh, this is dope. <laughs> like every, everything that you were speaking and. Wasn't that long ago? It was probably three months ago, two right, like right when I first started. But I was like, "Yo, I gotta talk to this guy." I was like, "Where, where does he live?" Like, this is my first approach to approaching any fe- other fellow influencers, of or I don't even know what you call it—just podcasters, people with with who want to talk creators. But, yeah, creators. And I never, I don't even know what that looks like or what that relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. Like how to approach somebody properly. Well, so you, you were like, "Hey, do you want to be on my podcast?" I was like, "Sure." And I was like, I was looking around <laughs> some of your guests. I'm like, I don't recognize a lot of these people. 
I don't think this place is insane. Hey, dog, are you like in the loo? You're like, nah, man, I'm in Vancouver, Washington. I'm like, I'm not. That's a long time away. <laughs> Dude, and the day that you messaged me, I was on my way to see Slander. So like you caught me in like the natural habitat. I probably made like some talking head video right before I went to go rave with my homies. <laughs> I talked a whole lot of political current events smack on the internet. Now I'm going to go melt my face off. I love it, dude. I love it. That's that's kind of your natch, to be honest with you. The, the thing I've noticed that you're you enjoy talking about most, which I think is cool about you. You you're a one. You're an entrepreneur. You're a creative content. You you know you work for First Form. Your contractor with them. You mm-hmm. did that previously, but on top of everything, uh, you know you're you're a businessman and you're you've learned a lot and grown a lot in your life from from your story. So I'm excited to tell the guests one about where you came from because I think that tells a lot to a testament about just entrepreneurship in general and where people sit. But one of the biggest questions I want to start with, and I think it's a good one and it'll kind of tie into everything is what is the correlation that you feel personally for the correlation between self-improvement mm-hmm. and your ability to focus on yourself and, 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 you know, grow, how does that correlate into becoming a successful entrepreneur? And like, what's your take on that? For me personally, I wasn't raised doing a whole lot of things that built a lot of character. Um, I'm a 90s kid, born March 15th, 1993. So, you know, the next seven years of my life going into the 2000s, I didn't play a whole lot of sports. I didn't step up for a whole lot of stuff. And there's a reason why all the cliche things your parents tell you are true. You know, <laughs> the, the, the drink milk and the strong bones thing is like, all right, that's by the numbers. But they're like, hey, go out, become a part of a team go out and contribute to something, do something hard, blah, blah. I just didn't want anything part of it. I was like into sugary cereal and cartoons and comic books and all the things that were like leisurely that like, you know, little kids just like to pass time by. Mm -hmm. But I always like felt like most people do. Like when you watch like the training montage in a Rocky movie that like spoke to me when I was, it was like 2007 and I was watching never back down, which is, The fighting in the movie is good. I still do that, bro. I still God. watch the movie and like, man, it's so the good. The movie's got a great soundtrack. Right. Like if right. you were if you were a kid in the two thousands, that soundtrack is tight. Bro. It's it's fire. But I I, I kind of fell in love with that, and I, everyone around me was like, that's kind of corny, bro. But I was like, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's it's the fact that I never really believed in myself, and I love underdogs. I love the idea of a person who is self made, and because dude, I'm blue collar as can be. My mom was a bartender and a waitress. Uh, a waitress and a bartender. Right. And my dad worked in a forklift. And before he did that, he was like an ex con for like selling speed and crack and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so doesn't give you good odds, man. It does not. And especially being a place from like St. Louis. No, not at all. It's, right. it's very tough. So I got older and I started doing the wrong thing and I felt like I had made it, you know, I was, I was hustling, you know, I, I was, you know, a frat kid, but I was, I was somewhere between like a frat kid and like a trapper. Like sure. I, I hid in plain sight is what I called it. And so I started realizing it's like, dude, I've got a lot of money. I have drugs. You know, I can go to the bars and the clubs and I can pick up on girls and sorority girls like it's nothing. And they liked me because I could talk. Sure. Thing too. And eventually when I started getting in trouble and then the money was gone and the fake friends were gone and I was like, dude, I have no options. I'm a C average student. I'm this close to not being able to go to college. I'm in probation and I just got caught up again. I, I had to start doing what scared me. And I had to start thinking big. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that like, oh, cool. You can bring in a thousand dollars a week when you're a college age drug dealer. That is not shit. That's $50,000 a year. You little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, for sure, bro. Like, and I, I, I said that to myself at one point, cause I, I had like, you know, $50,000 in a safe from like one summer of hustling, mm-hmm. but I never liked myself. Yeah. And you couldn't, you can't, you can't grow from that. You just, you just, no, it's like, Oh great. I have all this cash. And now what? I mean, I guess if, uh, I mean, I know what I do with $50,000 now, but yeah. that, that comes with some more of a, more of a story. You got to have some back to that. You got to know what the fuck to do with it before like doing it. But the story that you tell is so important. And that's where the correlation comes from me. I, I more than like a videographer or a content creator, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like if we could sit back nights over parties going on outside, I'll talk to you about three hours in storytelling mode. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to have a story that I looked at like a movie. Mm-hmm. And so when I was, I was sitting there in jail the night that I got caught up. It was Black Friday, 2016. You know, they they took the they took the ropes out of my my jacket and my hoodie. They took my shoestrings. And I was like, "Why are you doing that? Like, so you don't kill yourself?" I'm like, "Okay." And I'm sitting there, and I was like thinking about it. I'm like, "Dude, this that thought went through my head." Mm-hmm. And then right after, this other little voice, this little whisper, was like, "But it'd be a great story if you like didn't fucking kill yourself and like you made the best of this." Right. I, I like got like a little second of hope and then like I spent like the next nine hours in holding and I was like, this still sucks, bro. No, I, I've never been. I would, I wouldn't even fucking know. I don't recommend myself, it, man. <laughs> I, I, do you think head. that, I mean, like, so, so, so continue on. Obviously you, you, and I'll, and I'll touch on that. I'll try to remember what I was going to say, but after you, you hit jail after was this, was that the low for you? Was that the point where you were like, okay, I got to come up from this. Yeah. When you are, 23 years old and you're you're looking at the end of college and you're already on probation once for drugs and then you get caught up again and you know you went from a place where like thinking that'll never happen to me to you know once a month you go into a probation office you see people with their whole faces tattooed people who are in there for sexual assault and whatnot and you're like you're co-mingling with these people and it's like yeah i have this whole other life where like this is not who i am on a daily basis like I had to make a decision and mm. it was hard because the thing about the life is that as much fun as it is and as much of a bad boy, you feel like, you know, bad boy, bad guy, you get to play sure. the character. You, you start feeling this kind of like obscene loyalty and it's not loyalty, but it's codependence to the people who are around you who are on the same thing. And I had to go through like recovery and all that stuff. And one of them I took seriously when I really didn't. And I, mean, I was still using on recovery if I could just be completely honest, but it was like I started noticing some of the things that they said made sense. And it's like it's way easier to stay a drug abusing, alcoholic, hustling type dude when that's like 99% of the people you hang out with. Right. And like I had one homie um, who it was like ride or die for. And he went down the – he kept going down that road. And he's like, bro, why can't I come visit? Like, oh, man, we can make some money. And I was just like, dude, look, I know it's lame. I know it's boring. I'm washing dishes. I'm working another part-time job. I'm going to school getting off fucking probation i do not need money from you i do not need drugs from you i do not need to party with you if you want to go sh- we used to shoot hoops together you want to do that let's fucking do that but like i'm i'm done letting you gimp me mm-hmm. into living this lifestyle for you it's not for me it's for you bro it's insanely hard to do that it's so hard it is like one of the hardest things that you could do is to be able to and and it doesn't just happen with friends too bro like i've done this with family yeah like had to exile people out of my life people that you would never think and and so people ask me why all the time yeah. like why do you why did you do that why did you do this and i'm like dude just the amount of negativity and just the 
the amount of, I don't know what you would call it, just the, I couldn't, I didn't feel like I was growing anywhere. I'm, I'm lacking because these people are bringing me down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're only as good as, or well, you can only grow as, as, as much as the people around you. And so if you want to level up and you want to move forward and you want to grow and you want to become this big, bad, you know, monster beast of a person that you want to be, whatever that is, I mean, big, bad in a good way, yeah. but, or bad way, whatever tickles your fancy, uh, you know, you got to surround yourself with people who are on another fucking level, bro. Yes. And that's, that is the, one of the greatest pieces of advice I can give anybody who's in a fucking hole is look at the people around you, see what, what that, you know, analyze that. If those people aren't where you want to be, then ditch them. Mm. Like you got to fucking do it, man. I have a very, very simple philosophy of like the people who I keep in my life. It's who do I solicit advice from? There's only two classes of people. Number one, people who I want to be like. Look, if if you are someone who is 25, still living like you're 18, I don't want to be like you. Right. If you're someone who's 30, living on the streets, I don't want to be like you. If your idea of having a, a good time is going out and drinking five nights a week, waking up feeling like shit, not having any dreams or goals that you work on, but you get to keep up with the Joneses and you woke up a broke, depressed mess every day. No, I've been that, and I was better at it than you were. No, I don't want a fucking piece of that. So, number one, I will solicit advice or opinions for people who I want to be like. Number two are the people who pay my bills. Right. If you are someone who I have to deliver a product for, if you are someone who I can make money with or partner up with, I will listen to your opinions. It does not always mean that I will like go along with them. I'll at least hear them. Sure. And that delineation has been so important because everyone has an opinion and there's a whole bunch of like professional stupid people on the fucking internet who want to tell me that my perspectives are wrong because I'm not like this or that enough. And it's like, bro, you're, you're sitting here calling me a fascist or some kind of thing that you just don't even know the definition of and you're doing it while you're probably 200 pounds overweight and you have a dog picture as your Instagram profile. It's my favorite. Bro. Like bro, <laughs> I have a fucking problem. And but if you're happy being that way, great. I wouldn't be happy being like you no. so I don't have to solicit shit from you. No, man, it's it's also really it's difficult to find those people though. Mm-hmm. Because most of those people who like we'll just call it successful or just are on a good trajectory they're fucking lasering, man. You're beaming and you don't have like me. I find that I find it's, it's so hard. Like I have to force myself to let people in, mm-hmm. you know? And now I'm like, I don't care about anything else. I got a mission. I got a goal, you know, and I'm fucking going for it. I don't want to wait for, you know, if you're not coming, then sorry, see ya, you know? So you, those people are hard to find. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that I'm saying I'm one of those people, but you're becoming them. I hope so. You know, that's what I want. So you, but then when you do find those people, I will say it's almost like, it's like a breath of fresh air, man. Mm-hmm. Like there's those people in my life who like, I really enjoy being around and have like bring value. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're like, fuck dude, where has this been? Like, why? Like, why did I wait so long to do this? But yeah, I, th- it I think it to be a lot. I think it helps to have a few of those people around too, because one of the things that you have to be on an understanding with if you are going to be on like a high trajectory lifestyle, if you want to be someone who's high quality, high value, and you want to surround yourself with those people, I think an understanding you have to have is you have to be a low maintenance friend. Mm-hmm. And I have, I've been that and I've also wanted to be that and I've wanted that from other people and I also have not wanted that from other people. Whether you have huge aspirations or not, if you are moving towards your adulthood, like we're in our 30s, you know, I just turned 30 a couple months ago, you, you have a few other commitments that I don't. The thing is, is that like, if we're talking about 80, 20 here, okay, well, 
whether it's the top 20% or the mass 80% of my attention, I only got so much time for friends. Mm -hmm. And I hate admitting that because you, you think that and you're like, oh, you're going to be all alone. But it's like, well, if I don't understand who I am, then how can I be the best version of me for you? Yeah, dude. I think some of it's social media, though, too. Some of it's like this this stigma that like, you know, one, these things have made it so easy to tell when somebody's paying attention to you or when somebody's not paying attention to you. And some people can't fucking deal with that, that, you know, I guess they don't want your fucking attention, you know? And as friends, we have to be like, like I have friends like this who, who I don't talk to for years. Right. And we, we know exactly where that's going, but you don't talk to these people for years. You pick up with them like you left off tomorrow. Those are great friends, the right? Hundred percent. My best friend in the world is that way. Totally. I have I have like two of those, mm-hmm. and even even people that that live right down the street yep. from me. Sometimes you just got shit going on. You go in the groove. You talk to them. Next time you talk to me, you're like, "Fuck yeah, this is like, what's up?" You know, like I didn't even leave. But the so, I think social media and technology has created the ability to know and see when somebody's not interested in you. And so it's just a self-conscious thing that people have developed where it's like, why doesn't this person want to talk to me? Mm-hmm. Like, why are they going to hang out with this person? Who gives a fuck? Why, like, do you. Okay, go find a new friend then. If they don't want to hang out with you, why would you value that person? Validation's everything. Yeah, exactly. Which is stupid, but I want to talk about uh, politics. Oh, <laughs> get ready to get some thumbs down. <laughs> no, I don't give a fuck, bro. I uh, The last episode, I realized that I'm a little bit more, I don't know. I have, my wife had to remind me the other day, don't forget, like, you have people watching you that, you know, you have a business to run. And I'm not trying to intertwine that that stuff. You know, we have coffee shops, whatever. But my political opinion, I don't, doesn't correlate with that whatsoever. And sure. I'm sure the people that disagree with me don't watch this fucking show anyway. So it's fine. They'll tell you that they do. And that I'm not going to watch this anymore. Survey says you never did. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One, a lot of your content, mm-hmm. uh, almost all of it, I would say, is is veered in some type of political or we'll just call it motivational aspect, yeah. um, which is great. They're they can correlate and pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of Vivek? Pardon? What do you think of Vivek? Oh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes, Ramaswamy. <laughs> he's he's taking this new approach. I'm only asking this because. Um, there's been a dramatic, like we'll just call it landslide of of hype around this guy. And he's kind of doing, in my opinion, what I feel like no other candidate has done, which is go on all these podcasts, take mm-hmm. to social media, and basically pitch himself as a human. Yep. You know, and I think that is playing a lot uh, you know, into a lot of his his successes. Yes. What do you what do you do you agree? I like him a lot. I like the positions he... The thing I like about Vivek more than anything else is that he can change his mind on a position and he'll let you know that he changed his mind. He will not try to pass himself as... He will not try to pass himself off as, I've always felt this way about this and that has never changed. It's like, no, he's a human, like Mm -hmm. you said. And that's the best thing about him is he's willing to say that my mind has changed on a topic. And we need more of that from both sides because... (laughs) The political gridlock in this country largely comes from people who are idealistically very insecure. If you do one thing that steps out of the dictate of your ideology or can't go back. You can't go back. You are exiled. And I think that's a lot more true for one side of the aisle than it is the other. But that is something I really do like about Vivek Ramaswamy is that he is someone who will actually tell you that he changed his mind. 
Uh, I like the fact that he is someone who comes from the business sector. And I, as almost every person who I think speaks to common sense Americans these days, we are taught, hey, pharmaceuticals encapsulate a bad thing. And it's like, you know, he's come forth and been like, I have gotten funding from a, someone in the Soros family. He doesn't have to be that objective. Right. I, I think out of all the candidates right now, and you see why Donald Trump was so popular even all the way back in 2015, he's not one of them. Sure. He's not a suit like them. He's just a dude from Ohio. He went to Harvard and Yale, really smart, really good businessman from what I could tell. Andy loved having him on his show. And I I do I do keep an air of doubt that just because again, I've been a guy on the wrong side of life who said a lot of the right things. It's like I don't believe you a hundred percent. Anybody, I don't care how much I like you or how much I would support you. I have to keep an open mind of objectivity that just because you say things I like or that sound good on a stage, you could totally be someone. You're still selling me something. That's, so that's kind of my pit, my my take on, uh, we'll just call it my fear. And I'm trying to like look at it like, okay, part of me goes, I really, really like this guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, it's almost like the too good to be true type of thing. Like, what do we, what am I missing here? Where is this, this, I'm trying to be objective and I'm like, okay, like he's saying a lot of the right shit, Mm -hmm. like, like almost like to a T as to what I would be like, like he said something the other day, uh, that fucking got me on, you watch, I watched him on the Andy's podcast and the full send podcast just the other day. And, uh, he goes, I don't disagree or you know, with a lot of things that Trump did, but I disagree with, you know, a few things. And, you know, the one thing that I think that I disagree with him on is that he could have done better was, you know, the wall isn't efficient enough. And like, when you say that, that was Trump's shtick was mm-hmm. the wall, right? Vivek comes on and says that it wasn't good enough. And that's the only one of the only things that, you know, one thing that he disagrees with him on. It was almost like he one upped him mm-hmm. in a sense. And I was like, God, dude, like, that's some sly shit. Vivek is very Vivek is very intelligent, and he does something that, if you like bench pair like I do, the thing he does is he does not make an enemy out of Donald Trump, so he kind of wins over everyone on the right. right. Whether you love Donald Trump or you hate him, the thing is is that he stays on Donald Trump's good side. He's like, oh, Ron DeSanctimonious is a fat little meatball. Ron can't do anything right. You know, he would have lost if I didn't back him. He would have lost to Charlie Crist by about, <laughs> about 20%. But, you know, it's all right. We all make mistakes. But this guy, Vivek, he's great. I like Vivek. I love Vivek. He's great people, wonderful people. And You're really good at that, dude. I do. I have a lot of billions. <laughs> I have this way too good. Of all, the, of all the talents and skills I have, impressions are some. Like, I can't do it, man. I hate myself. I for could. It. I could try to do it, but I just sound. I end up sound like Russian or something, or like Australian. I don't know. It, it, no, it's it's it's. It's a little bit Brooklyn. It's a little <laughs> bit Manhattan. It's <laughs> fire, dude. I, you just have to be focused on making people hate you. You know, what I wish I could talk like. Who? Who would be the fucking most iconic person to talk like would be morgan freeman i'm not i'm not doing that impression. like could you imagine bro though if you just like if you had that voice i don't know there's some people in the world that just have these such unique voices and you're like yeah dude that would be epic but but i would definitely say that that is something that vivek has done and he's like i am running for president and it's like yeah you are running for president but the fact of the matter is this you're not going to overtake donald trump if there's something happens to where he cannot actually be on the ballot 
I think a lot of people would be cool voting for Vivek over like Ron or Nikki Haley, especially Mike Pence. Like no one really likes Mike Pence. No one in the world likes Chris Christie. New Jersey hates Chris Christie. It's not even it's not even a question anymore, bro. It's gonna it's like why like why do what do we in my opinion, what are we even waiting for? Like why are we why do we have anybody else on the ballot other than three people? And even even that third person is, in my opinion, DeSantis being mm-hmm. like shouldn't he, he's backed by the super PAC. Yeah. You know, like why? DeSantis, Which I don't even know what that was, by the way, until recently. I always wondered, like, how is it possible that all these people get these millions of dollars in funding? And I didn't even know what that was. And it's, there's so much, like, that I realize, which, which I'm a very uh, politically, we'll just call it, uneducated person. Most people. I've never spent any time on it just because, like, most people don't give a fuck. They should. You know? Which they should. And I find that I need to care about it a little more. I need to do the research because you find out these things and you're like, man, like, there's just, it's just fucking twisted, like, all of it. Yeah. And, I mean, when you look at someone like Nancy Pelosi, for example, you know, Nancy Pelosi's been in government and politics for the upwards of almost 40 years. And even though she has represented the District of San Francisco for multiple different reasons, she's been Speaker of the House those salaries you are able to make like the upwards of like 250 grand a year. She's walking around 250 mil. That's wild, bro. Okay. That's why people need to care. And that's not just Nancy Pelosi. It's also people like Mitch McConnell. Mm -hmm. Mitch McConnell has a bunch of funding and she does a bunch of lobbying dinners and all this stuff. And these people are worth several tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. Joe Biden should not be able to afford the houses that he does. You, you should not be able to sit here and preach to me about climate change and the oceans are rising. And then you go buy seafront property. Yeah. It costs 15 times what I'll make in my lifetime. It's crazy, man. That's why people need to care. And it's not a partisan thing because a lot of people look at my content and they probably think like, oh, this guy's some radical dude on the right. He's very conservative. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm a libertarian, which is of the conservative fold. However, when it comes to things like gay marriage, I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's that's you. That's you. And if you want to call it a civil union, if that offends the religious people, that's your business. If it doesn't care. fucking bother you or it doesn't affect you, then people have asked me like, "Hey, sum up your political yeah. views." I want my interracial gay friends to be able to protect their marijuana plants with semi-automatic weapons <laughs> wow. and not be taxed out the ass for it. Epic. Okay, and if you want to smoke weed, cool. Yeah. I know out here in the Pacific Northwest, they have like a lot more liberalism on it. And like, no, yeah, it's not even a question, bro. There's dudes just lighting up Jays right in my freaking right there. The, well, I mean, yeah, and in St. Louis, Missouri, you know, we're wrecked now, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> I live not next even to a, a question, bro. I live next to a cop, and I'm like, morning. <laughs> yeah. What up, yo? <laughs> you have a good day, sir. <laughs> I forget. I forget about the days when it was illegal for the yeah. longest time, bro. You forget, like I remember going in the forest with my with all my friends, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, smoking some weed out of a pop can, like just like this tiny little nug that we like would jack from her brother's like weed stash or Midwe- whatever. Midwesterners call it pop. Yeah, I dude. Know, but... Oh, soda pop. Yeah, call it soda. A lot. Of, we, I mean, it depends on what you're drinking. Yeah, my my mom lives in Illinois. That's what they call it. Soda soda he- pop. It, that's yeah that no that's that's a midwestern twang right there the way mm-hmm. sort of pap yeah pap me, me and my mom oh my god the, the, we have, I, I know so many people from minnesota and like rural michigan and wisconsin mm-hmm. um, i call them all southern canadians because it's just the vowel sounds Every, <laughs> yeah. oh hey bud how you been doing there <laughs> trying to come over for some cabbage well, so, that, that's that's northeastern let's yeah. talk about uh something that has really intrigued me and again i was listening to some of your content and we use these words called, 
referring to people of higher power as they. Mm-hmm. The they, we'll call it, right? One is simply put, who the fuck are the they? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And these people that are making these decisions, we'll just call it, let's just use COVID, for example, bringing back the mask mandates to some extent mm-hmm. in businesses. My picture is I, can, I have a hard time as somebody who thinks objectively picturing that there's a dude sitting in an office. We'll just call him George okay. for keepsake, right? And George is sitting in this office and he's calling the shots. How do you think that works, man? Like, is it one guy? Is it a team? Are they actually meeting? Like, how how does this all unfold? Because we have this agenda that has to be set by someone. It's, it's not just that it's set by someone. It's that there are figureheads who have a lot of power, money, influence, and blackmail on people. And the top-down kind of corporatist, almost authoritarian structure behind it all is that when you look at things like the DEI initiative, the CEI initiative, the ESG initiative, everything that BlackRock does and all the, all the different pieces of equity that they own, I mean, they own like 10% of everything in the fucking world. Right. It's not just the fact that someone's like, I want to redesign the world in my image. No, it's we have had power for a very long time. The people who we see, like Joe Biden is not in control of jack fucking shit. No, clearly. We all know it. It's not a fucking joke. Um, No no president is, to be honest with you. No, No. but that was also one of the reasons why they hated Donald Trump so much. He was not one of them. Right. The fact of the matter is, is that when you call it they, it's a very just effective tool for saying, I don't necessarily know who all the people are. But I know the people who are in front of me who are being told to bow down to Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. Okay. You look at Bill Gates, one of the most powerful, wealthy, most conniving people on the face of the earth. All right. Yeah. Joe Biden is going to be one of them. And then over in Europe, look at people like Klaus Schwab, George Soros and his family. You look where a lot of the money comes from. And being from St. Louis, we had a Soros appointed district attorney. A lot of people don't know how George Soros makes his money. He basically bets on countries to fail, and then he uses his mass amount of power to go in and mess up their economical and finance structures, and then also to influence things like district attorneys and how they judge to be soft on crime, and they release a bunch of violent and destructive criminals back into your society, and what happens? Eventually, countries tank, and the dude makes billions. That's wild. That's the small way of looking at it. So, in my opinion. What the fuck does that look like, though, bro? Because, like, you know what I mean? Like, you and I were sitting in a room. Mm-hmm. And say we run our businesses, right? We what we say goes. Yep. And you know, when you you're making a, a recommendation or just like a, you know, saying a process within your company, you're going to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I guess the part that I feel like most people have this disconnect with, with believing that this ideology that is there is a higher power running the country, mm-hmm. which I would say I'm I am one of those people. I completely, I would say, subscribe to the idea that. All of this shit is planned to some extent, mm-hmm. and there is people, very wealthy people, but I guess what I have the hardest time with is seeing how that plays out and how it comes out, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, if there's this freaking dude, again, sitting in an office, this very, very wealthy guy mm-hmm. that, we'll just call it Bill, and Bill is the wealthiest guy in the world, you know? Or one, do we even know who this guy is, is is one thing. Like, do you think we've actually ever seen these, this person or these people uh, that call the fucking shots? Because say something like COVID, like I was saying, is about to roll out. Mm-hmm. We'll just say the idea is that they are creating this, this idea that 
this needs to happen and it needs to, we, we need to bring COVID back because A, B, or C, because it is going to, you know, bring us this much financial gain per se. Where the fuck does that start? You know what I mean? It, do you ever think about that? Yes, I do. And I mean, when you think about how our country has looked since 1913, in 1913, we were taken off the gold standard. And basically within the next hundred years in 2013, it's kind of funny because it's not funny. It's horrifying. Our debt started outpacing our GDP mm-hmm. a full year after or a full century after we got off the gold standard. Someone made money on that. And when you look over at what goes on in China, for example, social credit scores, you walk around in fear of the government overhearing you. Mm-hmm. Someone wants to enlist that all over the world, not just the United States. Right. It's not just someone. It's groups of people like the folks at the G20 summit. They were talking about the digital ID concept. If they put all of your information on a digital ID, all your financial records, your family information, it's and they're just like, oh, we're just going to put it in the palm of your hand. You piss off the government, they turn off your chip. They turn off your ID. You yeah, have stupid. nothing. It's crazy. That is how you make a subservient, globalized population. So you think, you think realistically, though, what's, what's happening here is there's somebody who's trying to just make absurd amounts of money. They never want to lose power. And and they know, like, okay, hey, if I bet on this to fail and I can put money into this project, because there is certain organizations, and we'll just call them things that support certain areas, so I can, I can give these people money, and they're going to push this idea. I'm going to bet on this to fail, mm-hmm. which then makes me richer. So realistically, you don't think it's more of like a, I mean, we'll just call it a, a great reset type of thing, or do you think that is, that, th- that's real too? I think the great reset is real, and I think it's in concept, probably one of the scariest things we have to think about. But I don't think that the people in the World Economic Forum, whether you're talking about Klaus Schwab, George Soros, um, the guy to the north of us, Justin Trudeau. They don't care. They just want to make money. I think they are still pawns. Uh, I think the people who really pull the strings, I don't think it's one person. I think it is people. mm. Everything that is in front of you is being sold to you. I don't know who pulls the strings and we probably never will know. Right. But I think what's ultimately more important than the scheme is that you recognize the scheme is happening. And COVID is a really interesting example because I think what the first wave of COVID really showed us is that there are going to be people who fall in line because that's all they've ever known. There are going to be people who question, but still fall in line. And then there'll be people who question and take action. I worked for Andy. Sure. Andy questioned and he took massive amounts of action and he still does to this day. And it's because he realizes that no matter how nefarious the plot is or who's pulling the string, the concept is to make all people weaker, individualized, get rid of the strong men and women from society, make everyone this, you know, homogenized blob of manipulated just goo. And we're going to we're going to reshape society and it's going to look like 19 fucking 84. I'm not in favor of that. I spend an entire semester reading dystopian literature. And for me, being the person who I am, I'm loud, I'm obnoxious, I'm well-spoken, but I understand that there are things about me that are rough around the edges. I have made, I would like to believe, the start of a name for myself by being just naturally different. And if there is anything that should scare all people is if you were living on a conveyor belt, a factory worker, just style of living where you're all the exact same gray blob, you're not allowed to express yourselves for fear of violating political correctness or the doctrine. Because we've seen, we've seen, I don't know how many times people's speech gets censored. Like it was warranted. Look what they're doing to Russell Brand right now. Now, if he actually did it, if he actually did it, yeah, fry his ass. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think he did it. I think the way that they're already treating him like demonetizing his YouTube based off accusations, that is the plan in fucking motion. And he used to be one of them, not like a scary globalist, but like someone who preached for more of like the globalist ethic. Bro, it's, that's, that's, the, that's one of the wildest things. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. We should be scared if, if that is, you know, of that. 100% because the second that you again you're you're just another person which which we already are we're but every time something gets taken you're you're not fucking getting it back man you you don't think that the second that shit gets rolled out and everybody goes okay you know how hard was it to to we'll just say get the mask thing back i mean that was just a plot was you know it was a play but it was phase 1 but for instance like you know the test was there the test was there in that you know we fucking we fell for that shit and you know, here we are, you know, but here's also the thing too, is that you can't really blame the populace for falling for that shit. There's like a concept I used to really believe in from the NGE, which is known as the nations of gods and earths. And it's that 85% of people just walk around to sleep. It's, it's kind of like the matrix concept. You take the blue pill and you know, you stay over here and you know, you just do your thing and that's fine, Mm -hmm. but you're still plugged into a machine that's siphoning life and fucking value from you. Or you can take this red pill. The red pill like wakes you up to being like part of like the fifteen percent that's actually awake, but the delineation between the ten and the fit and the five and that fifteen is that ten percent are awake, but they don't change anything. Yeah, the five percent actually go to change things. So, for me personally, I realize that just being a consumer, just being an employee, just being a taxpayer, is not enough. Like, yeah, you can change a lot from that position, but you're going to have to really drill in the personal development. You're going to have to cut out a lot of weakness. You're going to have to look around all the things that ail you and keep you anchored down to a mediocre version of yourself that depends on the shit that they try to serve you. Yeah. You got to be willing to say, I don't fucking need it. And I'm willing to do the most uncomfortable by my two feet standard shit possible to prove it to you. And you can fucking kill me. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You will not take away my individuality. And I don't care how many friends I lose. I lost a lot of friends. Yeah, I bet, man. Didn't do shit for me. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think everybody did to some extent because, I mean, friends, family, just every everything. But I also think, you know, to some extent, it it allowed us to become, it it allowed us to to open our eyes a little bit to the reality that is, what the world is turning into, mm-hmm. you know, with with technology, with AI, with AI, you know, that's that's scary shit, bro. Did you hear that they're freaking they're turning. All non-emergency calls now will be uh, basically answered by AI. Non-emergency, quote unquote. But where does that lead? What's next? You know, you're telling me we're gonna somebody's gonna call a non-emergency line, and yeah, I get it. You know, my fucking dog is neighbor's dog is barking. Mm-hmm. Can you help <laughs> me out? You know, but even then, to this day, like there's there's calls that are made to nine one one that are or or the non-emergency line that are super important that. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know. I just, it's fucking scary, dude. It's stupid. It's nuts. And like, yeah, there's advantages to it, but I don't know. One more thing to mention on that line, because it's a little different, but from the financial side, because I mentioned corporatism a minute ago, when big government and big money get together, it's, it's effectively corporatism. You see a lot of this stuff with like Google mm-hmm. and Meta, and it's the government saying, hey, come over and help us out, would you? Right. <clears throat> but the thing is, is like, even in my own personal life, I, you probably saw my story the other day. I said, U.S. Bank is fucking garbage. Mm-mm, I no. did. And I stand by that. I went to the desk for some godforsaken reason to deposit a check. And I didn't see it, like, for five days. And I called them. They're like, oh, your stuff got put. And I couldn't get a hold of anyone. I called them, like, five, 15 times. I called the location. I called the national hotline. It was just an AI voice. 
what can I help you with? Mm-hmm. Talk to a person. I can help you with that. What would you like to talk about? Why isn't my check cleared? And then we just do it over and over and yeah. over again. Eventually, I found out that there was like a seven-day hold on my check. And I was like, yo, I have bills to pay. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's, 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 it's our system. It just does. And I'm like, well, put me through to someone who can help me. There's nobody. Okay, so if my bank is able to do that, then what's my government going to do? Yeah, dude, it's a... Uh... Yeah, it's fucked. I, I agree. I they, I did, I deal with that. I deal with that all the time. And there's nothing more that pisses me off when you're trying to freaking make a phone call or pay for something or get a hold of somebody in customer service. And it's either somebody who doesn't speak English yeah. or it's a robot. That is one of the things that I love so much about being in the first form, like family of things, though. And it's almost to the point where, like, I won't even do self checkout at the grocery store because that takes jobs away from people. Mm-hmm. If I'm really in a hurry. Sorry, I'm checking out my own shit. However, when I have a few minutes to sit back and bullshit with someone at, the, at their checkout counter, it's the, what you said about the AI is that AI is going to be one of the most, it's, it's going to be our next industrial revolution. And yeah, it's going to be important, but it will never be able to replace humanity. Mm-mm. No matter how much it learns, no matter how much it simplifies your life, inconveniences are where the value is held. Being able to have a real conversation and feel something from someone. I'm sorry. Like real quick, if you, I, if you are someone who uses the AI motivational things on Instagram, be like, if you don't start, if you, what is it? What do you always say? It's like working hard is only part of it. You have to have a plan too. There is a ticket thing that I can press outside my homies freaking uh, loft. And it sounds the exact same thing. Stop using those damn what is audios. That? I didn't even know that thing was, what is it? It's, it's this audio. And it, they, this dude sounds like monotone throughout the entire thing. And people are using them for like motivational uh, original audios on like TikTok and Instagram Reels, and he's saying like some motivational stuff, but it's a monotone like it's, AI it's like, voice. It's like a, it's like a, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a Siri voice. Yeah, just saying something motivational, and they're they, they're making reels behind it. Yeah, and it's like guys, I don't know who told you this was inspiring. <laughs> this is the most sterile, lame, one note trick bullshit oh. ever. No, you know what's inspiring? Underdogs. You know what's inspiring? Achieving the plan, not having a robot tell me some niceisms that you think sounded good for your fucking audio. <laughs> Has anyone said fuck as much on your podcast? Oh, uh, yeah. Me? No, I do. I say fuck probably the most out of anybody. It's my favorite word. Here, here. Like, it's the best, dude. There's nothing <laughs> that makes me feel better than just like saying fuck every once in a while or all the time. All the time. Yeah. It's like my uh, my personal vocabulary. I feel like, bad. I looked right Probably at number two. I feel bad. I looked at the Why? I look the at the camera. Time. I was like, I need you to understand how. What's well, true, dude? It's so this. true, and it's the only way that you can really like connect with people that are are listening. Is 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 to look at them and make eye contact because, but regardless, dude. Yeah, there's there's nothing more more silly than just seeing the direction of of the world and the even the younger generation. I feel like is not set up at all for any any sort of success. And part of me wonders if my kids are ever going to have to go through something fucking hard. Like like tough and that that hard thing is no longer you know digging a fucking dirt hole because you got to make a post or you know whatever with you laying a fence or like what whatever like hard work you know like I want I feel like that hardened me it allowed me to become a fucking man you know it showed me what and, and whatever that is but like just nowadays everything's just handed to you it's just given and it's just so easy personally. <clears throat> You know, I take a note from Sal for Sal on this, actually, because he has kids. And when talking about how he raises his son, Enzo, which is a badass name. <laughs> it's a fucking badass name for it's sure, a, dude. En- Enzo James. Enzo is the coolest seven-year-old you'll ever meet in your life. That's dope. He said, 
that exact same thing is that most kids are spoiled rotten. They mm-hmm. are all about instant gratification and, you know, put an iPad in front of them. The thing is, is that all the like birthday gifts and Christmas gifts that like Sal will get to Enzo, they're all geared towards either sports or work. Now they're fun, but they teach him something. Like one of the things he got him is like a little leaf blower for their front yard. Mm-hmm. When the leaves fall, Enzo blows away all the leaves. That's cool. The kid has everything you could ever want. He does all the sports in the world though. He speaks to everyone kindly mm-hmm. and with the most amazing manners on a seven-year-old. Reminds me of me when I was a kid. Yeah. And his daughters, they're well-behaved. They're still toddlers. They're still children. But you can tell whose kids are raised with a sense of character. And personally, me who doesn't have kids, but me who's gotten to know you over a decent amount of time recently, I would say that you have the control over that personally. Oh, for sure. And it doesn't have to be anything like backbreakingly hard. No. It just has to be like, what do you want? Put something in there for them to conquer to do it and make them feel good about it. No, I think I, I don't disagree with that. I'm, and I'm not saying that I think that my kids will never face a, t- a challenge, but I just feel like the odds go against, like, we'll just say even 20, 30 years ago, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe I'm taking a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe I'm jaded a little bit to it because I feel like, you know, the old guy that says, well, oh, back in my day, son, I had to fucking work for my shit. And you know, walk like, uphill both ways in the snow backwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but... Part of me wonders, you know, if if there is ever going to be that, like, or or if 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 things are just gonna, they're just going to be handed to them by everything else in the world, and you know, the other part of me wonders, like, and I, I wouldn't say hand it to them. Maybe I'm looking at I'm looking at I'm, I feel like I'm coming off this as a way as I don't think my kids are ever going to face a challenge because oh, they're going to face more of a challenge than I probably will mentally growing up, uh, or that I did. You know, things were easy for me back in the day that everything was so simple. You know, I think that's what I'm getting at is like, it's, 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 it's almost like a catch 22. You're kind of fucked either way. You know, they're going to, yeah, they have all these tools and all this stuff that they're going to be able to use to help make them, you know, smarter than I will ever be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if it's not used properly or if it's taken advantage of, they're fucked. Yeah. You know, and I didn't have that, mm-hmm. you know, like they're just going to turn into potatoes, I guess. And that's my, one of my biggest fears, but it's, it's all about what you want. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, again, when I didn't want anything, I was a potato. You know, I was a drug abusing, alcohol drinking, friggin' did not want your daughter around. And, th- and there's nothing wrong with alcohol, but like, I was five, seven nights a week. Sure. And, and not just no, like, I get it, man. not just like the quarter drinks of the bar. I was like, I want top shelf mm-hmm. and I want to look good while I do it. I hated myself. I had to start working for things because I was like, if I, because I, I was scared of becoming a professional loser. A professional loser is someone who makes excuses for a living. And I realized that, like, all the people who I looked up to in life, they, they were in a position where they had earned the right to flex. Like, all right, cool, you're worth several million dollars and you came from nothing or you had a project that went big or you know how to invest. I'm not there. I mm-hmm. want to be there. But if you try to fake it till you make it, you'll never make it. You have to decide really what you want. And when you decide what you want, you have to realize that if it's going to be at the top level of achievement, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot and you're going to have to invest a lot. And I think that you are, I think you're living by the right example to make sure that your kids understand that because the multiple businesses that you have, the podcast you just hit 20 on, there's going to be times where they are going to be ungrateful for something that you've done for them or an opportunity in this country that kids will largely just kind of turn their nose up at. They don't know any better. It's fine. I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then a few years will go by where you give them a talk and be like, hey, that same thing you just turned your nose up at, I did a lot with that. Yeah. You will be here someday and just know I forgive you. 
Well, it is. It's everything. We again, you you can make most situations, you know, mm-hmm. better or more impactful depending on how you frame it mm-hmm. and how it's portrayed. But yeah, I think it's when I'm not there that scares me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm I can't. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to be, but those moments like like public school, I don't. I will never put my kids in public school. Never. Um, I u- anymore. I used to think it was a great thing too. It's like it's a melting pot of people and mm-hmm. like it's great. And then I look back at where I went to high school and I'm like, wow, we had a lot of kids OD. We had a lot of kids get into fights, get expelled, get arrested. I'm like, homeschool might be the best option. It's just like how many, and I think it's it's cool to. I, we want, I want to put my kids in sports. We we ha- they are in sports. Yep. You know, my four year old does. He has done sports for the last year and a half. Awesome. And that's because I want him to be around people, learn how to talk, be around other kids. And he's great. He's amazing. But the public school thing, when you're spending eight, you know, seven, eight hours a day at, at a school mm-hmm. with 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 people that I don't know, I don't know, just don't trust. Teachers I guess. Who call your kids their kids. Yeah, I don't know. Just it's looking back on it, I, I think there was a little bit more innocence in the educational system back in we'll just call it 20 years ago mm-hmm. when I was in elementary school there it was it was a from what I remember it was drastically different you know I try and also like uh you ever do this you ever look at like when you were in school and be like man was this shit the same was it was it at all like what to some extent was it the same and, and I was just like jaded to it and now that I'm an adult I fucking see it no I mean, you know as a kid we have to remember that the idea behind the public school system was not to create a nation of thinkers because no one's going to teach you how to overtake power from them. It was to make a nation of workers. Mm-hmm. That's why they say, hey, you're going to sit in single file lines. You're going to yeah. walk in single file lines. You get to eat at this time. Other than that, you need to be doing your work. You need to obey the orders. And then after that, you need to go take out a bunch of college debt. You have to do this if it is going to be a future that you want to tell people about because your parents didn't do it or they tell you it was the best idea. Thirty, two hundred $200,000 in debt. You may need to go to secondary school after that, graduate right. school. Fifty to one hundred thousand dollars for that. Don't forget to buy a house and a new car. Oh, and get married and have a bunch of kids really, really early. There's a society trap, and the idea is is that if you can leverage your citizens with taxes and interest-bearing loans, then effectively you can make them work for you forever. When you become an entrepreneur, you break that cycle mm-hmm. because in a lot of cases, in order to open a business, most people don't think they're able to do it because like, oh, I don't have an MBA, dude. The guy who freaking inspired me to get into business. He did it in my college town. He and his br- friend, Chris, they saved up $12,000 striping parking lots. They hated going to school. They loved working jobs. It like, allowed them to make quick, fast money, working in bars, working in restaurants, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we're going to open up a vitamin shop. We're going to be fucking ballers. I'm not going to work for a living. I'm not going <laughs> to... A guy who I love to follow <laughs> on Instagram, uh, Herman Dolce, Haitian CEO. He has, a, he has a phrase, and I love it. This is me go, damn. I've seen his stuff. And they're like, man, you know, you do all this stuff with real estate and also a business credit. What about taxes? He goes, taxes? Bro, paying taxes is ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, as a guy who is a libertarian, I think all taxes are theft. But I, I understand paying the share that we have to mm. in order to make it work. But I truly believe that. I truly believe if you can teach your kids to become producers, not just consumers, that's that's one of the things I've been trying to tell people recently is that if you hate the way the world looks, you need to bend it to your image. And you can't just doing that if you're eating everybody's shit. Mm-hmm. you got to be able to put your shit out there and ask people to eat it for you <sighs> and pay you for it. <laughs> <laughs>
I'd never heard it portrayed like that before. That's Until great. now. <laughs> That's great. You got to be able to put your shit on the table. Dude, I, when I was trying to move up at first form, I was like, they can serve me shit all day in seconds. I will ask for more. I didn't care. I was like, I know what it takes because I've had nothing. I've been homeless. I've mm-hmm. lived on people's couches for a whole summer. My parents kicked me out. I don't know how many times. I've been broke. I've been as hopeless as hopeless could fucking be. And I've still thought about fucking ending it all. But mm-hmm. you know what? I'm still here. I still, I made it. C- Let's talk about that. All right. Let's talk about those those hopeless moments because I, I, I still have those a lot, dude. Like as much as we want to pretend like those hopeless moments, like, you know, they only happen a few times in your life. Bullshit. They happen so much, dude. And as you get older, you just, you get this imposter syndrome type thing where you're like, what is this like really what life is? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like there's something more. I swear Mm -hmm. I was force fed this fucking like, this thing, you know, yeah. and this thing that, that life is, is more, you know, but I think as I get older, you know, I realize that those moments are, are drastically important to growth. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never going to stop. They're going to keep getting probably, we'll just call it worse as your life goes on because you develop, we'll just call it a little bit of perspective and numbness to the previous era you know, mm-hmm. those moments that you thought were really hard. Yeah. That aren't really hard anymore, but that's tough. How do you how do you uh how do you battle those, man? How do you battle those low moments? There, th- there's there's a few different like, <clears throat> tools and different like schemes I have when it comes to that. Now, one of them is literally in process in front of you, which is if you are burdened by your past, your present you need to do something to break out the monotony. And it doesn't mean you need to go on a vacation, but it means you need to experience something that will broaden out what you've been through and add that perspective in the other side. So things I'm going through. I'm in the first year of my own business. It's tough. You know, I'm not putting a lot of money away. I'm spending a lot of money. I'm going to write off a lot of expenses. I'm going to make sure that the taxes work in my favor. Um, that all said, though, it's like, okay, I remember when I was working a job, I was able to put away a lot more money. I had the 401k, I had the insurance. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of those same benefits right now. But the thing I didn't have back then is that I wasn't able to write off travel. I didn't understand the points and miles game. Okay. So on the one end, even though things in St. Louis may not be everything that I want them to be, I can still go out and have new experiences that weigh and, like, counterbalance the bad stuff I'm going through. But the other thing is this, is that I use the old bad experiences I have, and this one's particularly powerful, is that – when I got in trouble in 2016, I was just getting into fitness for the first time. Again, I didn't play sports. I'm not a really fit, healthy, active dude by nature. I, you know, I was, you know, I was not a shaped kid, and that's okay. I didn't have a strong father figure in my life to like teach me how to do anything that masculine men do. I didn't. I was raised by a single mom and my stepdad. And my stepdad was a little bit older, but he was raised that way. It just it wasn't from birth, so I didn't really take advantage. And I remember like once I finally started getting my life in order, it turns out that I missed a court date. They sent a summons to a house I didn't live at anymore. And so I went to go visit my PO routine, you know, do the P test. I was clean. Uh, he was like, hey, man, go wait out in the hallway. I was like, at the end of our meeting? He goes, yeah, I need you to do that for me real quick. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there and I go to talk to the lady at the front desk. I'm like, yo, I got a test for school in about 15 minutes. Like, I got to go. Mm-hmm. He waves me back in. And the minute I sit down, there's a cop waiting for me. He goes, homie, you missed a, a court date. Are you so and so? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I got to take you in, man. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you absconded. What? So what 
what, I just have to go see a judge? He goes, no, you're going to be in holding <clears throat> until we can get you in front of a judge in St. Louis. And I was in Springfield, which was three hours away. Wow. So I was being held in a jail that was walking distance from my college loft. And, like, I got processed. They checked my butt and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, and I'm just sitting here like, dude, I'm supposed to be in school. Uh-huh. I didn't even drive my own car to the probation officer. I'm like, when am I getting out? They're like, I don't know. What the fuck do you mean you don't know? Mm. And so I started like asking everyone in there. And again, you're rubbing shoulders with people who have killed people, people who are doing tampering, people who have sexually assaulted people. And I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Some guy told me, he goes, bro, you might not get out of here for six months. I'm like, but dude, I'm a full-time student. I have a full-time job. I pee clean. He's like, it doesn't matter. He goes, once you are a convicted felon, once you are on probation, you are property of the state, Mm -hmm. which is very, very true. And I remember I was there for seven days. I had no idea when I was getting out. I could only call a few people because I only knew their numbers by heart. And I remember just there was a day, there was like this this cage. It was about the size of this room, actually, which is pretty ironic. And I remember like I had just gotten into fitness so hard, and it was my outlet for everything. I was squatting every day. I was repping out 315 on back squats. Mm-hmm. I felt great about myself, and something came and fucked it up. And I just remember sitting in this cage and this just stereotypically cartoony striped jumpsuit that said green County prisoner on the back of it. I was in holding, mm-hmm. I wasn't in prison. I was in jail. And I just remember just sitting there feeling so bad for myself, like a fucking loser dude. And eventually when I, I got out of it, like, you know, I got bonded out. I got in front of a judge. They extradited me to St. Louis. They actually brought me McDonald's breakfast on the way from Springfield, St. Louis. Which was That's pretty cool. dope. It was, I use that memory moving forward, which is anytime you feel hopeless or you feel helpless, Think about the lowest moment you've ever been at. Like, you know, I, my lowest moment for that was a really bad breakup where I tried to kill myself. I just went through another breakup. I didn't do that because mm-hmm. I remember how hopeless I felt sitting in a closet, taking pills to end my own life. And I was stupid because I was taking like baby aspirin. <laughs> but ultimately, I, I'm always able to go back to those hard moments. I'm able to go back to sitting in a jail cell. I'm able to go back to when I've had guns in my face from doing really bad shit when I was younger, I remember what it's like having my mom cry and like what I was doing to myself. That is how I move past hopelessness. I try to make new experiences that balance out the old ones. And I really, really anchor into the shit that just bothers me about myself. So you think that was powerful for one. Thank you. Uh, The drug thing got me, got me good. Cause I had a, I had a, I actually like blacked this memory out, bro. But I had a girlfriend do that when I was younger. I was in high school. No, just out of high school. And uh, she took a bunch of pills, I think. And she took ones that wouldn't kill her, but would like fuck her up. Mm-hmm. And that that's scary to think about, bro. That's really scary to be that fucking low that you like feel that low that you want to to give up everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've I've had that thought before, the thought of like just not not like I don't know, not wanting to do it or actually be active on it, but you always you you have that thought where it's like what would happen if I wasn't here? Ideation. You know. It's like what like that's pretty normal it is but actually doing that like i couldn't imagine i've been i've felt some really low fucking feelings before man Mm -hmm. 
Do you think that that is like another level, like from those moments that you've been at that, that will just call it those lows where you, you really wanted to actually take action and do something? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it was more of, of a cry for help? I think it's both. And that was like 10 years ago next year. So worth mentioning, like there's been a lot of growth. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of carryover from those days into the person who I am now. So I, I'm able to look at it with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I, I struggle with bipolar type two, which means I spend a lot of time in like depressive states, like anywhere from like three to six months at a time, I'm probably battling depression. Really? And yeah. Yeah. And now that the weather's getting darker and colder, especially when we're in the Midwest, we get snow, mm-hmm. you're not getting any vitamin D from the sun. People are indoors more. It's a lot of adjusted living. The worst part is the fact of like just no sunlight and it's really cold. I personally, I still struggle with it. And part of it is having a writer's brain, which is I've ex- been exposed to so much media and so many different stories and actual accounts of people doing it. That stuff stays with me. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be very, very hard to shake it. But personally, I hit a really big milestone with it. Um, and I just got to say a really big shout out to my friend, uh, Tommy Vext. He was the singer for Bad Wolves. That guy's the shit, dude. He is Again, I, I know some incredibly successful people. The dude is a actual rock star, and he is one of my best friends in the world. That's awesome, man. And it was right after Summer Smash. I'd been going through a lot. My, my breakup had been a thing, and me and her, you know, shout out to her because she's actually a good person. We just couldn't make it work. But when you lose that home in somebody, like all the things that are so expected and conditioned to be known as like love and like intimacy with someone, it, it just takes time, dude. Mm-hmm. And you, you put those standards on yourself and you put the pressure on yourself and you're doing all the things that involve living your dream, but you still feel undeserving. You still feel empty and hollow and like a loser a lot of the time. And Tommy had a story where he was going to kill himself by putting his head on a railroad track. He waited for a train and he got a call from someone right as the train was coming. It was effectively God saying like, hey, not now. Mm-hmm. Me and I, I talked to him about it and the first post that's pinned on my Instagram, it'll be me wearing my watch, the white shirt, holding my camera, uh, the goat, Dave Mullis took it. And I was like, I think a lot about eternity. And what Tommy said to me, he goes, bro, here's the thing. He goes, I don't know how religious you are. Tommy's very religious. You know, he's got the hardest just New York accent of anyone I've ever fucking heard. Like he's mm-hmm. the, he's the man. And he, he was like, look, little homie, here's the truth. He goes, you don't have to believe the same things I do, but he goes, if you think that like ever pulling the plug on yourself is going to take away your pain, I want to welcome you to the fact of like, you're going to go to a reality where you relive the same things as close to forever as possible. And he goes, I don't know how long forever is, but it's a mighty long time from what I understand. So you can deal with it here and get to the other spot. You can stop listening to all that depressing, anxious shit. That's because that voice sounds just like you. Mm -hmm. And it all made sense. I was like, this is a guy who I look up to. This is my friend. He's battle-hardened. He's been through harder things with substance abuse than I ever will. He's reached more success than I probably ever will. He has a bigger platform than I probably ever will. And he's still as human as any fucking person. And he told me that I would be going to the samsara, endless circle of bullshit. That was the number one powerful device that made me say, there is nothing worse than going to an eternity where I feel like this. Dude, he, that's terrifying. It is awful. Like, the the I've... I've uh, I've experienced similar something similar to that, and that's probably why it's I think it's so scary. And by similar to that, I don't mean. I get it. I smoked some fucking weed 
or what I thought was weed. It wasn't weed. It's K2. And it put my, I don't know, probably some fucking weird. It was a long time ago. I was like 19, but yeah. it put me in this state of mind and it like knocked me out. I like, like my whole body went numb for a second. I was like, okay, I need to go fucking lay down. So I laid down and it put me in this state of mind that I could only repeat the words, this fucking sucks over and over and over and over again. Like for what felt like forever, bro, it just wasn't ending. I know that sounds really stupid because the words, this fucking sucks. You're like, why is that? So like, but when you can't control your thought and you can't control what you're thinking, it's like, what? that's it. Like forever. So that thought of having that feeling forever, that's, there's nothing more terrifying than thinking about forever. So that's a, what, a, what great advice, man. And I, I was like, I extrapolated it a little bit because I like to take things to like a mental and emotional extreme, which mm-hmm. I don't recommend everyone do. It's a bad place to live in. But I thought about it and I was like, okay, me and her ended things really civilly. Imagine if I would have walked into her sleeping with another dude. Mm. Imagine if I had to go to a... a a reality where I had to see that mm. every single second of whatever the reality's existence, temporal, you know, standard is, that'd be way worse. You ever had a bad dream where your girlfriend slept with a dude Yeah, and it pissed you off the next day? Yeah. She had a lot more about me sleeping with other women. <laughs> she, she would wake up dude. and hit me. And I'd be like, dude, what? She goes, don't do that again. I'm like, the what fuck the fuck you, fuck you talking? She goes, you, you fucked up in my dream, dude. I'm like, okay. Dude, I ha- this one fucked with me the other day. And uh, shout out to my wife. I love my wife. She would never <laughs> do this. but And she knows about this too. But I was like, I woke up, bro, and I had this dream that like, and I saw everything, bro. Like the look in her eyes, like from down to the fact that some other dude was like pleasing her. Yeah. And there was nothing in the world that fucked me like i've never had a dream fuck me up like this bro i woke up the next day and i looked over at her and i was like oh shit i could cry right now bro like i was so depressed Mm -hmm. that this woman in my head did that even though i know she would never do that like that is not her by any means but anyway it fucked me up for like a week there's two reasons why it did one it made you feel emasculated and two it made you feel replaceable yeah that was it It's it's the replaceable thing Dude, uh, I mean, yeah, it did make me feel like a little bitch oh. that some other dude would was fucking pleasing my wife. But I did realize too, dude, it was weird. Like, like it was almost like I needed it. Like this, like reality check. Like, yo, like, better make sure that woman knows that you love her. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want that feeling of some other man. No. You know, and not only that, like, not like I, I just like it made me like realize how much I appreciate my relationship. You know. It was it was a weird fucking thing to get that reality check for. But for anyone who's going through like, you know, a thing with a person like this is another piece of advice I have. Be willing to admit when it's over. This is something that like the girl who and again, she's cool. Like, I don't have any issues with her. She's a good person. She's a good mom now. She's been married for a long time. But like there was a girl when I was in college and she was like the first love of my life. Yeah. And I tried so hard to make it work, even though she was trying to tell me, hey, we don't have the label on anymore. We're kind of just fooling around. I've kind of started talking to someone. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't let it go. And like, we would continue to like sleep around and have a good time together. But like all the while I was getting really jealous that the other dude was there. And like in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'm still beating him. Eventually like a night after we slept together, she came over cause I was going to have a house party. Mm-hmm. And she let me know. She's like, Hey, I can't stay the night tonight. I'm like, why not? And I was like genuinely like confused. Why not? She's like, well, me and that dude are dating now. I'm like, 
Him and I literally slept together yesterday. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. <laughs> now, mind you, I was putting the pressure on for it still to happen. Sure. That's also emasculate. That's also you saying, okay, I could just move on and let you move on. But my ego is tied to the validation I get from like being with you or sleeping with you. You're going to feel like, again, you're going to feel emasculated as all hell if you put yourself in that position. You've got to have, if you're going to win in life, you need to know how to take a loss. And you will, your ego will tell you, I can never lose. I have to have everything I want every single second. No, you're going to get your heart broken. You're going to lose money. You're going to get robbed. You're going to get your ass beat. And that awful feeling creates the exact parallel to where your best self can be felt. Mm Because you know what? As great as that girl was when I was 21, 20 years old, she was my first love. The last girl I dated, way better for me. Yeah. It hurts. But if it's not going to hurt, then what the hell do you ever know it feels good? Oh, for sure, dude. For sure. You're also like jaded to some extent during in the moment. You know, you look back at a lot of your past relationships like you were just saying and you go, you know, and this, this goes with a lot of things too. Uh, you think in the moment that it's the greatest thing in the world, yeah. but that's only because you're complacent, you're comfortable and you're not used to, you know, you're, you're yeah, that's what you're used to it. So the second you put yourself in that position to become uncomfortable or not used to something or trying something new or uh, a big change, which people don't like, that it's, it's it's this fear of change and uncomfortability that that really is the the fear that you're you're losing or you're gaining. I guess. You ever seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? No. Okay. It's, it's wait wait wait. That's that one with that one. He's funny, dude. Jason Segel. Yes. Uh, I I I don't. I haven't seen it in a very long time. R- Russell Brand was in it too. Yes. It's funny because like Jonah Hill's in the movie is like a totally different character, and then in Get Him to the Greek, Jonah Hill's a totally different character. <laughs> but there is there's a scene that actually really encapsulates everything we're talking about, and Jason Segel's character can't understand why Sarah Marshall left him. Mm-hmm. She's like a you know a movie star. She's pretty. She's hot. She starts sleeping with the rock star Russell Brand's character. Right. And they eventually like get together and talk about it. And she goes, exactly everything you just said. She goes, you were like falling in love with the couch. I couldn't get you to move off of it. You wouldn't work out. You wouldn't do anything new. You didn't have any inspiration or any desire to go out and prove yourself. You would eat sugary cereal as like a 38 year old man. <laughs> and I couldn't baby your ass anymore. No self-respecting partner wants to take care of a grown human. Mm-hmm. Okay. And shout out also to my last girlfriend, she hustles harder than I do. Like, I love the fact that she also made a better version of me. And one of the things, like, when I left First Form to start my business, there's a very high daily standard at First Form. You have to lead by example and do it at a very high capacity to succeed in that company. Mm-hmm. That was how we had met. When I did my own business, I didn't have the same influences, and I kind of wanted to taper off some of those things. Those were all things she was still really invested in. And she's like, look, dude, point is this. I love you but I'm not going to sit here and say like, it's attractive to not see you work out every day. Right. Even if it's just five to six days a week, it's like you had purpose when you were there. She goes, I think you've been able to balance out your emotions, but I think you've become a much more comfortable version of yourself. Uh-huh. That pissed me off into something. I was like, no, no. Yeah. Cause I also thought about what I came from. And I'm like, first of all, if I have my potential fucking future wife thinking these things of me, yeah, I'm on the loser express. I got to, and, and you can't do it for the other person. Yes. Make your relationship with that person last as long as possible. As long as it's a healthy, functional relationship, your relationship with yourself needs to be tip top before anyone else truly invests in you. 
can't say it enough. Mm-hmm. And even though we didn't make it, it's something that's like, but guess what? She didn't let me get worse. Yeah. No, that's 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 phenomenal. I mean, that's that's something that as we grow too, you don't you don't realize the the importance of that. That's why I led with that question when the first question I asked you today was like, how much do you think that just personal growth and self improvement plays a role in your ability to be a successful entrepreneur? And that's just because I feel like genuinely, one, you're a perfect example of that, man. Like, and you may not have it all figured out entrepreneurial wise, which mo- most of us don't and never will, but you understand the journey and the journey is that you work on yourself and that makes you a, you know, a better, more successful, successfully apt person, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't, I, I'm starting to realize this just recently mm-hmm. that I need to be better on myself, better with my family, you know, because you get in these whirlwinds, bro, where you get distracted and all you give a fuck about is materialistic shit that, you know, materialistic shit could be anything though too that could be experiences but you give a fuck about everything except for what's right in front of you mm-hmm. you know and that's yourself that's that's your family you know and people you care about but i want to get off this depressing ass train because i'm fucking tired of being talking about depressing shit no, do you do do you do motivational speeches or do you speak have you spoken publicly i have i want to do it so bad bro mm-hmm. i don't even know where to fucking start like it's something that that I'm actually really driven about, and I don't think I'm, I have this this great almighty voice that I could really really hit people, mm-hmm. but like I enjoy that instant impact. Yeah, you know the 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 thrill you get from you putting out like a super motivational reel or something, and like people just yeah. blow it up with comments, and they're like, "This was dope." Like, yeah. I love that shit. Like that that's fucking high for me. Yeah, have it you ever done it? Yeah, I've done uh, public speaking twice. So I've met like a lot of really crazy people through first form and, and some of the relationships I've made with people and they're just regular everyday blue collar working people. Um, but a lot of my salespeople, they, they put a lot of faith into me because that feeling of like inspiration and leading by example, I had to be that for them. Mm. And shout out to my home girl, Andy Stang, McCook, Nebraska, ain't shit going on in McCook, Nebraska, but there's this <laughs> little hospital out there that asked me up there typically once a year for their health and fitness week. Um, and she's like, dude, your story has touched me. It's helped me become a better salesperson. She goes, would you mind coming up to my hospital and speaking to these people? I've done it two years in a row each time. She's like, you need to get a plane ticket out here. But like, there's a single tarmac airport in McCook, Nebraska. (laughs) The plane tickets are like $700 each way. And I'm like, I'll drive. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I drive nine hours there from St. Louis and tell them effectively like a condensed version of like what our podcast was today. I tell Mm -hmm. them my story. And I try to teach it in problem, solution, benefit. What were the problems that ailed me? How did I solve it? Why was this the best course of action that you can take too? And it was funny because it was actually when I was in the recovery session I did take seriously. I asked the question, I'm like, dude, how does someone become a public speaker? And it's like, you just got to become credible at something. Yeah. Whether you've lost a lot of weight, whether you've become really successful in business, whether you're someone who just really likes to speak truth to power and influence other people that way. I mean, when, when I think about, I mean, Andy was voted Forbes' 14th best speaker, I think of 2019. And it's like, this is a dude who is a self-described, you know, fat kid from a dirt road in South County, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, like, how does that, how, how the fuck does that happen? Like, how does it, because you listen to him talk, you know, and uh, we can use Andy as an example. But there's a lot of people like this. A lot of people that, sorry, that's for You're you. Good. <laughs> thank, thank you. Money shot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt, dude. Uh, but you listen to a lot of these people talk, and they are... 
they're so good with the words and like the pauses, the displays. That's something that that I've noticed a lot too. Like that small pause. For the longest time, I didn't understand what it was and how impactful that was to speaking. But that pause, as I'm doing it right now, is is a thought. It's you're gathering the the most impactful word that you possibly can mm-hmm. to speak, and you're leaving them wondering what's next. You know, the anticipation. But anyway, the how how the I guess I probably just fucking said it for myself, but possibly. Experience, practice, like anything else? I would say it's, okay, so the big thing, whether you're in sales or you're creating, everything is sales, whether you like it or not. And the thing is, is that a lot of people who step into sales are like, I'm just going to say all the right things. But what are the right things? Right. The right things are the things that make people feel something. Mm -hmm. It's why there are certain camera angles that work really well. It's why we latch on to certain stories. Sure why people's faith is the way that it is it's this common mark of humanity that says what one man can do another man can do and to be a public speaker you have to have a story worth telling whether it's yours or someone else's Mm -hmm. you're deeply invested in you have to show that you can fix problems but most importantly you have to be able to make people feel something it has to be legitimate sure you can get up there and lie and you can do it for your ego, and you can say to people, look at me, I'm a public speaker. I get paid to public speak. Mm-hmm. If it's just once a year, it's more than most people get paid to public speak. Sure. But I asked Andy that the day of my company karaoke. It's actually really funny that we're on this topic. I had been at First Form for like two weeks, and back in those days, the company was only 100 people deep. They'd make you get up in front of everyone and do karaoke. Right. Everyone loves karaoke when they're drinking. They don't like it Monday morning when you're in front of a bunch of sober people. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little awkward, bro. <laughs> and I was like, so, like, what song can I pick? And right. they're like, you can pick anything, man. I'm like, But you got to fucking do it? Like, you got to get up there? Yeah, do it. Everyone's scared stuff. Hell yeah. Not, not me. I live for that shit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so, like, of all the songs, they're just like, not that one, not that one, not that one. Not Country Road or any mm-hmm. of that shit. Everyone there loves country. I fucking can't stand it. And then Nothing But a G Thing by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Yeah, there you go. And so I look over at Andy. I'm like, hey, Andy, there's some bad words in here, man. Am I good to say some of this shit? He goes, use your best judgment. I'm like, great. Great. This is a fucking test. <laughs> but then you hear the meow, 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 <laughs> I didn't even look at the lyrics. I did it from the dome top to bottom. <laughs> Let's go, dude. And at the end of it. Like everyone, like Andy put me on his story. Sal put me on his story. Everyone's tagging Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Like this is how I made people meet me. Mm. And afterwards, and it's going to be the answer to your question. I asked Andy, I'm like, Andy, I think at some point I want to get into public speaking. How did you do it? He goes, you got to build an audience. How the fuck do I do that? He goes, got a phone? Yeah. He goes, talk to your audience. Mm. I had like 700 followers at the time. I was just powerlifting on Instagram. I was not putting my face or my words out there. And then I started talking on my stories and I started treating the camera like a friend. Yeah. And I started being very vulnerable about what I had gone through. And dude, you got to remember, I was this 26 year old South city kid. I was still on probation when I started at first form and like I'm making $12 an hour working in a warehouse with a bad haircut. I gave my fucking self. Like, what the fuck's going to take me seriously? A lot of people, cause a lot of people will never do the shit that you or I do. Sure. As long as you have the confidence, the solution, and the storytelling, and a little bit of motzi, <laughs> you gotta like. Even when I was telling you how to do it, yeah, 
I was channeling my best Jocko right there. You were deep. <laughs> I squinted. I was looking. I was trying. I'm like, it didn't stop, did I? It's going in, dude. It's going in there. It's hard. You're not disciplined. It should be. It's gonna hurt. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know who Jocko is? Jocko. What is it? Wow. How the fuck do you say his last name? Wellick. Willink. Willink. Yeah. Willink. You know who he is, Carter? I have no idea. You need to fucking look him up, bro. You like discipline? Yeah. He's like an ex like Navy SEAL or some shit. And uh he's dude, he's got some he's got some great stuff to say. But he's like one of those dudes that's just like again, discipline, hard work. But he also has a really like, he'll also be like a like, okay, so like there's there's two kinds of like post military people in the space. There's mm-hmm. like Jocko who's really soft spoken and like he'll they'll also be like, So like Jocko, how do you cut loose? So like you have like a drink or smoke? He goes, No, I've never really been into that, but I really like like a big slice like chocolate cake like chocolate <laughs> milk he's just he's, he's a real That's human so being funny, dude and there's david goggins right like the minute you were born you signed a contract to die stay hard he's fucking great though bro like Man. that guy's a nut yeah he's a fucking nut he's different Man. and like by nut i mean like if you any you can he is so far ahead of everyone like he's done so much so much shit that you could like you can't even fucking compare to this guy he responded like, to me on instagram once did he really yeah you were you were, you were shitting your pants a little bit weren't you a little bit dude i like, would be too he he actually responds to like if you're doing something cool and you tag him in it that's cool we were on a half marathon for kidney transplant recipients and yeah this is something my homie jt and i do uh once a month like he runs every single month i film him once a month that's, i fucking hate running i was gonna run with him every month but my knee started flaring up and he wears like david goggins stay hard underwear nice and like we took a picture of it and put it on my story. I'm like, yeah. I have to go run this half marathon. And David Goggins double tapped and goes, respect. <laughs> I'm like, this is the coolest <laughs> shit ever. What? It is, it is a little wild though, too. You know, like when you get those people, I've had I've had one guy who I reached out to who uh, you know, I just watch a lot of his stuff and it's it's just super motivational. And uh, he he responded back to me. But most of the time you expect like people not to respond. Yeah. Like, cause they're all just ran by fucking companies mm-hmm. most people so there's there's three people mm-hmm. that i have on my just three people like the the three people that i would die like to have on my show yeah and it's david morris and, and i don't know if you know who this is but he's the owner of delano's mm-hmm. and they're just um basically two brothers started this coffee company they're a roaster mm-hmm. and they ship the people nationwide and they basically help companies like me retailers grow mm-hmm. and uh you know he just got all figured out dude. he's got all the right answers and he's been through shit you know david morris andy Frisella, and alex Ramosi. i bet alex he's a great dude have you met him yeah bro i'm not like one to ride dicks <laughs> um at all yeah. like i don't want to stroke anyone's ego but i swear to god I would do like there's one guy just just give me five minutes with that guy and I feel like the five minutes that I could get with him would be more valuable than I would get from any other fucking human in the world dude you're, you're not wrong and I I was sitting there with Alex and Andy <laughs> yeah and, and no like I'm not, I'm not even, I know you're not you you're just speaking truth but it's just like but the, the thing was... That's crazy, bro. Is that because you named those two people, it's like, dude, 
just sitting there listening to them talk about business. I'm like, these are the two most authentic dudes in the space. Totally. And that's what I love about them, right? I got to say this, though. <laughs> when we were partying, we were watching, like, Mike and Rick Ross and the Chainsmokers at Summer Smash. Mm-hmm. And I turned over to Alex at one point. I'm like, Alex, do me a favor. And he goes, like, will you do your thumbnail for his face for me? He goes, <laughs> I was like, dude, that's fucking it. But him and Layla are just, and I'm not saying like they're my friends or anything. No, no, no. I, I've met them professionally a couple of times. I spent a few days with them. Um, they're they're very good people. They're very honest people. They take their business seriously. They take their brands sure. very seriously. And that's, I think, one of the things that, you know, Andy's thing is like, hey, get your podcast to 50 episodes and then reach yeah. out to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to have them on my podcast. I don't get any special treatment because i know oh, fuck personally no. i get it um and th- that's that's one of the things that's so great about those people who you named is because they've actually been through it like when you say like hey does the dude run his own yeah i mean yeah bro he he built his brand mm-hmm. and he is a real person alex is a real person there are a lot of folks in the industry who are able to market themselves as real people but you sit down and talk to them and it's just like you think your shit doesn't stink yeah these guys are authentic genuine and yeah, they've done a lot of things to a level that you and I dream of. Mm. And I've been front row and privy to. Yeah, but they'll never assure you on the fact like it's a lot of work. You know what I think it is though, dude. It's it's a as you well, I mean, to hold that standard is is tough, but you have to have a certain level of humility and willing willingness to continue to absorb and learn things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people reach a certain point where they think like, I can't learn anymore. I'm the smartest fucking person in the world or like I know it all, you know, and there is people like that, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I find myself doing like that sometimes where I go I, and you have to like reality check yourself and understand that you're not the fucking most smart person in the world. But, you know, and you haven't been through everything, mm-hmm. you know, but if you hold if you hold that above your head and you go, you know, hey, I just want to take something from this whatever the fuck it is, like anything, just one, sit down and listen. And if everybody wants to talk, everybody wants to, you know, I just, I just actually made a post the other day and I was like, I was really fucking stoked on what I, what I had said. And the last, last bit of it was, uh, you know, people often just want to be heard and they want to speak, but the true key to learning, uh, or, or getting your message out is, is to be able to listen and understand before you speak. And, that was that was that was like that that in my in my opinion is one of the most truthful things that you can you could be is just and humble things as a human mm-hmm. is to just continue to want to learn and grow from people like that dude mm-hmm. and you're surrounded by those people all the time which is which is dope and i feel like that totally gives you you know a level up in in the, in the game and not i know you don't take it like that but it gives you a level up man you get to look at those people every day and be like fuck that's the example of what what success is and you know what where I want to be you you get to surround yourself with the uh, the people on a stature that I can't even fucking find around here you know what I mean yeah so it's tough but personally what that's done for me though is it's just shown me that it's possible because you talk to a lot of these people Michael Seifert he's originally a St. Louis guy he's doing a public square right now they're doing a whole lot to build the parallel economy real fucking dude Bobby Sauce Bobby Sazalito at take naps on Instagram I was on Andy's podcast. I was just in Chicago with him a couple of weeks ago. And we were mm-hmm. having a good old time, too. We weren't mm-hmm. talking too much about, like, personal development. Like, you know, this and that. Just, like, like bullshitting. We were having a good time. We were eating yeah. pizza. We were going to the festivals. Like, Tommy Vexed, another dude, sober as a drum. Used to party really hard. But, like, we have a lot in common. I mean, I've met 
Senator Eric Schmidt. I've met Eric Greitens. I have met a lot of really crazy Alex Hormozzi, uh, Mike. I, I, can, I can keep going down the list, and it's going to sound like I'm flexing, but with each and every single one of these people who I've met and made my acquaintance and become friends with, it, it's that the ones who are going to be really authentic and genuine about how they got to where they're going, their presence doesn't feel like you are like in the bask of glory. It's like, Oh, must not touch. Like, you know, I gave Alex Ramosi a hug. He's a real dude. He wears his, he wears his open toed shoes. He wears his acquisition shirt. He has the thing across his nose. He has his acquisition hat. He's a flannel, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. I've had conversations with Tim Grover. He talks to me like a person when we've yeah. talked, I've talked to Alex Ramosi, talked to me like a person. Tommy Vexed, one of my favorite people in the world. All those people did for me more than anything else is that they showed me you don't have to be inhuman to do things that people will look at and say, I want to do what he did or what she did. Yeah. That's what's so important about it. Be a human. The best thing about Andy is it's it's not the free game he gives away. It's that the dude has the blue-collar attitude of someone who's from the Rust Belt, born and raised St. Louis, Midwestern as can be, and as, as wealthy or as famous as you want to call him or successful as the dude is, he'll shake your hand and have a 10-minute conversation with you about something that has nothing to do with you making money or how he's been so successful. Sure, sure. Real, real shit. Reality. Real life. life. No, it's true, man. Yeah. You, I agree with you. Every, 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 we'll just call it very wealthy or successful person I've met is one. I find it almost hard to be as human as they are. Like just as real, I think we you know. Real. I would, I, I, would I get that, but like, no, no, no. I don't. I don't mean it. I mean, it, my pers- perception on them is is like, I just want to like relate, and I don't want people to feel like you're constantly asking them for something. And I'm sure like that's what it is. And I feel like you look up to these people as in examples of, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, I just want to like just, yeah, I want to take something from you, but I don't want to take physically something. I just want you to. Just like talk to me, bro. Like feed me some knowledge, like anything. Like how the fuck did you get to where you're at? Yeah. Like I respect it so much that I'm just like, and I think the reality of it is you look at those people and you're like, you know, again, you 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 t- we tend to idolize them mm-hmm. in a way that they don't want, and most people wouldn't want, but it's all because you know you just you just want to be better mm-hmm. and improve yourself, and I'm sure that they have thousands of people wanting to do that constantly, which is probably really hard. What delineates though and what they remember is someone who gives before receiving. Sure. If you Andy talks about this on his podcast all the time. He goes, if you want to learn from me one on one, do not insult me by saying, hey, I'd like to buy you a cup of coffee for some of your time. He goes, out of all the shit that I have to do today, do you think I really want to spend five minutes over a cup of coffee which I don't <laughs> even drink so that you can fucking jerk yourself off about right. the fact that you got a meeting with me. Sure. Or do you want to do something that makes my life better and easier and shows me your skills and worthwhile? And then you can keep that little piece of coffee and you might actually get what the fuck you want. So think, think about what, what should somebody do? If say, say like what, what, uh, you, ha- you actually have a cool Andy story. Why don't you tell that story? <laughs> tell your Andy story, bro. Yeah, we, like, we, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about Andy Frisella. Yeah. Uh, you know, creator of 75 hard first form, Supplement Superstores. Yeah. Uh, Una Vida Tequila, uh, Olympus <laughs> Cannabis Company. Yeah. Lots lots of companies, but yeah. um, regardless, you have a really cool story where you... Did you hit him? I did not hit him with my car. You came close. I did come close. Okay. Yeah, okay. Preface real quick. Context is important. Yeah. I did not, quote, hit... Because you say you hit somebody. It sounds like you <laughs> like fighting. You walked up and punched Andy for yeah. selling. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
So this story is so. <laughs> it's funny, bro. So I had worked at First Form for about a month. And when he tells this story, he's like, it was like your second fucking day. I'm like, no, the fuck it was not. When I when I decided to sign on to First Form, my homie Matty Ice, uh, Matt Vote, he was like, Look, dude, this is not gonna be this is not gonna be like, you know, you just walk in and you're making a hundred grand. Like, no, you're gonna have to work your fucking ass off. I'm like, dude, what do I care? You know, I, I've washed dishes for years. I've served tables for years. I, I, I've, I've been through some shit. Like, I can handle packing some boxes. He goes, mm-hmm. all right, you got to be there at 5 a.m., though. Bet. You're going to be there for, like, 12 hours. Bet. <laughs> cool. Right. Well, when you don't come from that world and you're, like, thrust into it, it's like it, it catches up with you pretty quick how tired you get. And so back at Old HQ, which is on Green Park Road, there was this long, winding road. And, like, Andy does his outdoor cardio. If he doesn't do it at home, he'll do it, like, around HQ or something like that to where he understands that this is mapped out for at least 45 minutes. I got to get my shit done. Sure. That's, that's what's so great about his program is he gets your shit done. You got to operate through discomfort and through mm-hmm. inconvenience. And so, you know, he, he kind of knew who I was from, like, my karaoke. And I drove this really old, beat-up Honda Accord, 03 Honda Accord, one of the lights was blacked out. One of the mirrors was missing. There was a huge dent I kicked into it from a day that I got upset playing basketball. This car was noticeable. And so it's so just funny how life works out. I'm driving down this winding road, leaving HQ. And so I went to go adjust my grip on the steering wheel. Well, if you have your steering wheel over to one direction and you let go of it for even half a second, sure. what's the wheel going to do? Yeah. It's going to bounce. And so I was just moving my hand a little bit. There's a guy walking to the right of me. And right as I let go of my wheel, I was cocked a little bit to the left. <laughs> it veered just a little bit in his direction to where it <laughs> caught his attention. Sure. And I was just like kind of out of it. And when he tells the story, he goes, because you were smoking a fucking joint. That's not true. I was going home to smoke a joint. I would not smoke weed at First Form HQ because at the time, I didn't know if anyone smoked weed or not. I thought everyone was just like straight and narrow, never did anything wrong, never got in trouble. God's gift to earth. I was very wrong. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who are just as much as enthusiasts about me. But when you work in fitness, it's easier to smoke weed than it is to drink alcohol. Sure. So my car veers in this direction. Veer is even a hard word. It's just kind of like it inches towards him. And it's like, dude, I get it. It's, I'm going 35 miles an hour. You're walking. Mm-hmm. I catch your attention. And I just like, I noticed this guy in the back of my rear view. He throws up his hands like, and I'm like, oh, shit, that guy's pissed. Oh, fuck. That's fucking Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I double time it to get out of there. Oh, no. Yes. Did he know who you were, bro? Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> and apparently no. he came into the Freaking warehouse looking for me. He goes, where's Murph? I'm like, mm, fuck. Now, I didn't hear about this like someone called me. Right. I went and I went home because I was planning to go to Springfield for their homecoming <clears> that <throat> week. Mm-hmm. And so I come back with some canned goods for my manager's kids like food drive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like looking for Andy. I'm like trying to figure it out. I'm like, what's fucking going on? Like, this can't Heart's be Heart's fucking I racing, like, bro. I knew it. I'm like, this is just something's going to go down. And as I drop off the cans to go leave, someone taps me on the shoulder. They basically smacked me in the head. We're like, hey, idiot. You almost fucking hit Andy with your car. I was like, he knew it was me. He goes, 
Who the fuck doesn't know what you drive? <laughs> you have the trap mobile out there, my man. And I was like, dude, oh, like, no, I fire? like if you were fired, you'd be fired right now. Right. But I still went to this weekend at Springfield mm-hmm. to have this good time. And it was all that was on my mind. It oh, was, I bet, man. So I sent him a message on Instagram. Like I had gotten his attention on the D. He had tagged me in a story when I did karaoke. So like he saw my messages at mm-hmm. this point. I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, look, I just want you to know I was not trying to mess with you. I would never risk your safety. It was literally an accident. Mm-hmm. So if I need to talk to you in person, you know, I'm happy to hash this out with you. But I just want you to know I did not mean what just happened. Yeah. And so I'm just sitting here waiting for a response. Nothing. Oh. So I look at the message no. and it's just like red. Oh no, dude! I my stomach fell out of my ass, dude. Absolutely. And so, I didn't talk to the dude for like two months. It was, it was maybe like a month and a half. But like I didn't see or talk to him for like two months. Really? And I was like, I still have a job. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, this is weird. And this is like during November now, and I didn't want to grow out the full beard yet, so I, I had a really dirty, just you know, no shave November stash. Mm-hmm. And so. Someone needed to move their car. I need to go find my manager. I want to go meet him. Who's he talking to outside? He's talking to Andy. Mm. And I'm like, hey, Brian. Hey, Andy. <laughs> I'm like, we figured out whose car it is. All right, go get the dude. Kill him and move. We got to get these trucks in. We got to get these trucks out. Right. And dude, Andy's got like this smile on his face. He's just like, I'm like, this guy's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, all right, I'll see you guys later. He goes, dude, hey, sweet fucking mustache. <laughs> it's like, what? And I'm just like, thank you. Right. Not what I expected to come out of your mouth. And so, like, he actually starts walking with me. I'm like, dude, just again, I'm really sorry about, like, two months ago. He goes, oh, no, I saw your message. I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, dude, I can get back to you because I have shit to do. Yeah. Being a low-maintenance friend. He goes, I know you didn't mean anything by it, but we got people who walk. We got other businesses around. Just be careful. Don't hit anybody. And it's kind of funny because, like, there was this one dude who no longer works for the companies. And every time he saw me, like, this was his way of, like, trying to get one over on. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, at least I'm not the guy who like almost hit Andy with his car. Right. Well, it was like after me and Andy like kind of like he told me like I was good. I was over there lifting in the other warehouse and he actually came in and benched with me and a couple of the other guys for a little bit and just gave me some tips and pointers. And I was like, dude, that is who I work for. Mm-hmm. That's my guy. Yeah. Like, and it was that moment. Not the manager that fucking makes fun of you and is being stupid. That wasn't a manager. It was just another dude off the line. Sure. Um, and it, 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 that, that was one of those things that like, he made me because we had a competition in house for like who could have the best transformation. The guy, Will Grumke, who was the craziest, most disciplinarian person I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And he talked about it on his podcast. He's like, I don't like the way Will was giving the meeting. So I started giving the meeting. And I challenged everybody to affectionately, you know, a fit off who could have the best results in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like one of the seven people picked. And he made me tell that exact same story in front of like 400 people. <laughs> Dude. It was so funny. Embarrassing for one, but not only that, like uh he probably was helping you too. You didn't know it then, but that's a that's a that's a tough story story to tell in front of a lot of people, I'm sure. Bro, and he talked about it on our podcast too, and he was like, There's this guy who almost hit me with his fucking car, but you know what? He's here six, seven days a week, he's on the phone every single day, he's smiling, he's helping people, and I could have fired this guy, but I gave him a chance. And mm-hmm. you know what? I'm really proud of him. And I made a reel with that audio, um, and just I mean, you know, I, I just gotta give a shout out to the guy because, you know, man, I'm 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 still probably a huge pain in your ass these days. But the dude gave me hope that a kid from Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, which doesn't produce a whole lot of famous people, mm-hmm. 
he helped change my life. He's helped change millions of people's lives, whether it's directly or if it's fucking through his companies. But the most human person I've ever met in my life is also just happy to be my role model. And he's a leader and he is my friend and he is someone who has made my life inexplicably better. And without him, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. I'd probably be dead. That's dope, dude. Thanks, Andy. Glad I didn't hit you with my car that day. I'm glad you didn't either because it's a great fucking story. <laughs> hey, I have something before you before you wrap this up. It's in that box right there. Just grab that little box and see ya. That one? Right above the pumpkins. Oh, God. Can I keep my headphones I on? I think they'll reach, yeah. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So I don't know if you're a big coffee guy, but there's some stuff in there for you. Oh, shit. Oh, I can hear. Is, it, is that beans moving around in there? Uh, maybe. I don't know. You don't know. Just, I'm sure you got a key in there, but I don't. I don't. I'm useless. While Murph is opening this, this is not a plug whatsoever. But we would was. never do that on the Failure Podcast, dude. Can I can I get something like sharp over there, please? Let me get this. All right. I'm useless as fuck. Oh, see, I was trying to be delicate. Listen. I've never done that before. I can run a business, but I can't open a fucking box. <laughs> um, you know, you can get these boxes, guys, at orderdevs.com. That's fire. I don't know if you drink coffee, bro, but... I, every day of my life. You know, I wanted you to have that. No dart. Dude, this is fire. Thank you. And um, it's actually as a, as a thank you for making your, your trek out here. I don't know if our audience, if you made it this far into the podcast. Murph, again, is from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, that's a really fucking that's far away, um, but this this is also a subscription. So if you like that stuff, like you get it shipped to your door as much as you need. That's fire, dude! For, thank you so forever, much. bro. Dude, thank you. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you did this because, like I said earlier, I when it comes to the parallel economy, dude, helping out people who are people who are going to be producing awesome products. And yes, I love coffee. I mean. It was four o'clock when I touched down and I, I had another <laughs> fucking coffee. <laughs> Not product placement at all. I was really drinking this no, at four o'clock. Um, finish it right there. No, dude, this means a lot to me because I don't know what it was, but like it was the night that you and I just started forming some kind of conversation. I was like, no, I like what this dude's doing. I like his personality, I like his goals. I like the fact that you have something real going on in the brain. And I was able to kill a few birds with like one stone coming up here, but. Dude, I'm just I'm grateful I got to be here. I'm yeah, no doubt. This. That was episode twenty. Dude, come on, twenty episodes. We're gonna we'll, we're gonna go to two hundred for now. We'll just call that the next big one. That's a long time because we only shoot once a week. But I think at some point we'll increase our whatever. But there's another roast on there that'll give you. I don't know if I have any of those bags, but it's a medium dark roast. I don't. What do you like to drink? Like, what's your tip? I know you drink Ethiopian, but what do you? Uh, yeah, uh, Ethiopian alchemy. Um, I think that's like a rather light roast. It's something crazy. Okay, so you like that one then. That right. one is really good. It's got a hint of blackberry on it. God, I swear this isn't a plug. I've never talked. I've not once talked about our coffee brand on but this if podcast. It was. But regardless, that one has hints of peanut butter and jelly. It's a, nice. That one is a dark roast, so it's it's got a little bit more of a, I'm not going to call it a burnt taste to it, but it's definitely heavy. Yeah. And we have one in the middle that we use for all our other stuff. I'll send with you too. I appreciate um, it. But anyway, bro, that's my thank you to you for making the trek out here. And obviously, hopefully a lifetime full of uh, friendship, and I'll make it out there someday. We can do a show together over there. I'm looking but forward to it. Guys, Murphy Wells. I'm him.
<laughs> Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week, next Monday. Later.